Wait, so you did, you did it last time, right? The intro? Yeah. Or did you? I think you did. Yeah, I did. I definitely I messed up on it, yes. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Jose. And I'm Joel. And this week, we are going to be talking about the recent Trump policy of separating children from their parents at the border. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I take a step back. Just one. In the intro, I say um, a new podcast. Are we a new podcast? When do we stop saying new? After a year? After half a year? Maybe after a year. Episode 15? This is episode 15. So That is entirely against my nature. As a person who constantly stops and I mean, starts and stops <laughs> projects, mm-hmm. and it's a testament to your ability to maintain. Man, it's been tough though. This everything at the end of the school year, and I went to an AVID conference in San Diego for a few days. It's been hard to keep up. Cheers to, Cheers. Well, to you and your editing skills, and, and you're the main mover. No, no, I will not take any credit. Now let's talk about this beer. Beer. So the one we're drinking right now is I love it but I think it's a total product of bottle I guess advertising because the bottle's so cool I think people just yeah. buy it off the bottle the beer is actually really good it's called Mississippi Mud so what is it basically I mean look at the back it's a hybrid right it's a which goes perfectly with our middle exactly. ground in this podcast it's Mississippi Mud black and tan um, it's a mixture of porter and pilsner it's um, an 18 century English beer, a brew. Yeah, the, the, the black and tan is a real uh, popular way to mix um, beers, and people have done it, and I, I didn't realize until I read the back of the bottle of that that that's what this is, but um, it's, it's really good, notwithstanding the, the hokey um, advertising bottle. So I guess, um, I don't know, I, I guess two different flavors come together mm-hmm. in Mississippi, but it's it's bottled and brewed in New York. Is yeah, that what I read. Yeah, it's it's a total hokey deal, but uh, it tastes good, I think, and it, it's the perfect sort of symbol of our show. In I guess the ale and the I think the ales would be the red, the yeah. Republican, the conservative. <laughs> I think the loggers would be, although no, people are going to hate me for saying this. Would be the what? Democrats and liberals because for yellow. Uh, no, <laughs> maybe no, 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 no. Coors Light is Republican, and that's a lot. So it's probably it doesn't matter, but it's just the mixing of the two sides. Yeah, coming together. And then we already drank a little bit of this beer that um, oh, yeah. my wife and I we took our kids on a great tour of England. We rented a car in Copenhagen and went all throughout England, Europe, Italy, France, and we um, loved this Schwartz beer that we drank in Prague. Mm. And then Firestone started making it. And you can go and get in this big old, what is that, 32 ounces? Yeah, it's ginormous. Um, They actually put the lid on with this fancy machine when you go there. And I mean, I didn't even realize this is happening, but um, you guys probably seen how they're putting tops on the... um, 
or lids on the top of aluminum cans nowadays when you can get this custom beer at the actual bar. Yeah. But man, that's good beer. It's it's a little, it's just, I mean, it's just a lager. And mm-hmm. again, this show is big into lagers because lagers have been completely overlooked to the, you know, and ales or everything, especially IPAs. And we are not going down that route. And if you want a really tasty and thicker lager, it's a it's like Negro Modelo. Mm-hmm. For all of you that love that really drinkable beer, but with more taste, right? Is that what we... Oh, totally. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Your wife also enjoyed it, so... This is was the, her, the best beer that she's tasted in... We actually made a special stop at Firestone just to get a couple oh, um, wow. cans of this. Yeah. It's yummy. So get on good. good. Cheers. Schwartz beer. Schwartz beer Cheers. and Mississippi mud. Woo! Get that mud. All right. So So, for this segment, we um, call it Fred. In this uh, segment, Jose and I each share one thing that we are passionate about for a couple minutes, although we tend to be a bit loquacious, so that isn't a strict time limit, (laughs) to say the least. This week, I'm going to discuss lava. Now, I told you before we started, and I brought out a few um, shot glasses, that I'm going to surprise you with something. Oh, good. And and in my um, continuing series on Hawaii, uh-huh. I have a special treat here. This is called Ooh. Ava. In Hawaii, it's called Ava, but those of you who are Polynesia-files, you <laughs> know it maybe as Kava, but in Hawaii, they, they oftentimes in Hawaii, they put a, a guttural stop wherever a K was, and um, and this is now Ava, and it's, a, it's their version of alcohol. Now, this was sitting out for the whole week since my son's graduation party and yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So I promise you, I took it in and I boiled it <laughs> and then I put it back in here uh-huh. and now in the freezer. So now it's kind of cold. And so this comes from the, the root of, and by the way, Ava or Kava in, in Hawaiian and Polynesia, and the languages are very, very close, um, are, um, they both mean bitter. So this oh. sucks. The taste sucks. I mean, if you hate it, just just taste a little bit, just just to humor me. Uh-huh. And cheers. So let's try this. This is in in Hawaii or in Polynesia. Uh, I've read that females would. It's the root of of the kavatite. They would chew it up and stick it into a coconut bowl. What? Yeah, and and then right before you drink it, you mm-hmm. clap, and it's a very ceremonial drink. So before, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. When I've seen surfers like do the kava ceremony in Fiji, they actually clap after they down it. And I just okay, poured so it a tiny bit. Yeah, and then we'll clap together. So you do it first um, and, and then we'll have a second shot. And if you don't want to take the second shot, no, totally. Totally, totally, smell yeah. it first because it's and that's clink too beforehand. So smell just smell how sh- Ooh, smells. It smells bits up. Yeah, it's bad. So here we go. And then we'll clap after you down that, and then we'll do it again. Because and by the way, this is nut. This is numbing. This is and it has slightly euphoric. Wow. And, and what is the word for like hallucinogenic? Oh effect. really? Shove me into the pool. And if I put you in the pool right now, you'll sink like a stone. You took too much, man. You took too much. Too much. In higher quantities. Okay. We're, drinking. we're not drinking. Just drink quantities. like half of that. Half? Yeah. Or if you want to drink the whole thing, it's nasty. I'm just warning you. I love that you are totally good with this. This is so cool. Shot. This is pure Hawaii too. This is pure (laughs) Polynesia. So we're gonna both. Yeah. Let's both do it. Yeah. Let's both. Okay. Shot. Oh wow. Yeah. 
Nasty. So let's clap. One, two, three. So the whole group sitting around after drinking a mouthful of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And do you already do you already feel I your numb? It. The numbness on your tongue? Yeah, I do. Actually. So it's my tongue. Yeah. It's kind of pasty tasting. Yeah. And um Well my tongue ugh, wow. Yeah, it's it's that nasty and it but it's it's slightly numbing in higher doses. This would produce euphoric effects yeah. and it would numb your whole body. And I've actually ta- I've already drunk a whole glass of it and it yeah. totally does. It just totally numbs you and it's not a great feeling it's a total different way of of um so let's do one more little tiny let's one do one more little one so we can do it like we do in the ceremonies of fiji hawaii uh-huh. solomon islands tahiti again for all you hawaii files and you polynesia files this is um kava and i'm so happy that you're drinking this because oh, yeah. i'm such a lover and okay uh, cheers cheers mm. Man, it's like drinking dirt. It's, it's like, like drinking, drinking dirt. dust. Yeah. Like dusty dirt yeah. like, that's been sitting on bark. But then to me, my my tongue mm. is is definitely feels thicker. Already. Yeah. And I can't imagine drinking like a whole no. 12 ounces or whatever. This is nasty. So clap. Ooh. One, two, three. Uh, to go with the old Polynesian tradition. Wow. Thank you for <laughs> if, that. If anybody ever wants to try kava, I'm going to have this in my freezer now. No, my fridge. Yeah. And we bought this last time we were in Hawaii. I brought it back. It's spelled A-W-A. A-W-A with the... It's not... It's in a, called an okina. It's uh-huh. a guttural stop. Like, you know in English how we have guttural stops on the words uh-oh. Uh-huh. You need that guttural stop in the middle of uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Huh? Well, they have... That replaces a ton of consonants in Hawaiian language. Usually the consonants T and K, uh-huh. but other consonants too. A, E, I, O, U, E, K, Lamu, Nuki, Ve. Those are the Hawaiian oh, wow. letters. And um, You got it. And so the the guttural stop is actually a letter, considered a letter, but hmm. it's like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, and there, it's in tons of, even Hawaii, you know, Hawaii um, has a guttural stop. Do they put an apostrophe there? Yeah, okay. exactly. All exactly. Right. All right. So we got Mississippi mud now. We have Firestone Schwartz beer. Yeah. And we have Ava. Ava. If we walk out of here yeah. without dying, we're going to be good. Woo. Rock on. What is your Fred talk? I'm so interested in this. All right, so not to make this too controversial, because I know some people have various perspectives on this. Bring on the controversy. I mean, I love exactly. controversies. So there's this been, there's been a controversy in Chile. They've had decades where they've ignored their clergy sex abuse. It's been a crisis. And when they brought it to Pope Francis, he's like, well, there isn't any evidence. Like, you know, you guys are basically spreading scandal. And so another American um, cardinal, actually, Cardinal O'Malley, went down there. He did some investigations. Another bishop or cardinal went down there. And it turned out that these claims of sexual abuse were true. And these are decades-old claims, mind you. This is not recent. After all this, Pope Francis invited a delegation from Chile to the Vatican and basically apologized. Like, I'm sorry for not believing you. You guys are totally right. So one of the people who came from Chile was named Juan Carlos Cruz. And he was the main whistleblower in all this um, clerical sex abuse and the cover-up that followed. And he talked to Pope Francis, and basically they had a conversation about his being gay. Who's being gay? Juan Cruz? Carlos Cruz. Okay. 
Sorry. Dip that. That was not clear. <laughs> like the Pope? It's this Awa stuff. That's an Awa that's yeah. making Awa. my tongue. Awa. It's spelled A-W-A, but sometimes the, the W makes the V sound. So. So they had a conversation. Is that the conversation where he said, hey, you're good? He did. Well, according to Juan Carlos, the Pope said, the Pope loves you regardless, right? God made you like this and this Was that controversial? Just him saying that? Yes. What? That, because Jesus said to the prostitute, Jesus says, you love everybody. So yeah. how could that possibly be controversial? It's Maybe controversial it was... because there are conservatives, and I hate to use that word necessarily, who think, well, if you're gay, it's a choice. But science and the church, actually, if you look at the catechism, and maybe I should bring that up, confirm science, the church affirms that, that people do not choose to be gay, that it is something you are born with. Now, let me look up the catechism. You know, I'm embarrassed to say that that probably it wasn't until 10 or 15 years ago that I finally came to that conclusion because I grew up in a household and much of America, that's why I think we have to be really careful about condemning people. We have to try to teach rather than condemn. I was, I always believed it was a choice. Mm -hmm. That is so, as a teacher, having probably at least one gay person a year, who's just coming out as an eighth grader, you Mm -hmm. know, we're both eighth, seventh grade teachers or more, you know, how could you possibly, it's just, they're, they're, they're so bullied for it. They're so mortified by it. Why'd you choose that? Yeah. Yeah. And it bugs the hell out of me that you, that I used to feel that way. So this is what the church says in the catechism, paragraph number 2358. The number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies, this was written in 1992, so they didn't say LGBT, right? That's a recent term. The number of people who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. This inclination um, constitutes for most of them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These people are called to fulfill God's will to fulfill God's will in their lives. My tongue is numb. Yeah. To fulfill God's will in their lives. And if they are Christian, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. God, what a great statement. That is that's from nineteen ninety two. That's a long time ago. And so some conservative Christians have a hard time with that. Because they think, well they're making a choice. No. It's, it's your inclination, which you don't Absolutely. have a choice of. Absolutely. I think that's the difference. The Catholic Church has an obligation to welcome LGBT people, to show that they're beloved children of God, to celebrate their gifts, to listen to them, to accompany them, and to suffer with and even for them. Why? Because they're human beings. They're Catholics, too. They've been baptized, and so they're as much a part of the church as me, their local bishop, or the Pope. Okay, so today for our main topic, we are going to get into this nastiness going on where Trump and his administration is actually, pains me to say this, separating families, separating Mm -hmm. kids from their mom and dad at the border. This is, okay, well, we could talk all we want about how evil that is, but to me, that this is so overlooked and isn't just getting shouted from the rooftops is just shocking mm-hmm. and a total sign of how numb, speaking of Kava and Ava, <laughs> how numb we are uh-huh. to his evil. Does it not 
Is it a, not a modern day parallel with separating slave moms with, with their daughters, slave dads with their sons and daughters, and with Nazis separating? Is that an mm-hmm. over, um, I don't know, description of what's like an going exaggeration. on? An exaggeration? I, I think we do not have a long memory in this country. We have short-term memories, and I think maybe social media and our 24-hour news cycle has shortened the length of our memories. But yeah, they separated children from slaves. They separated children from their Jewish parents when they were going into concentration camps, like at Auschwitz. And how do we, how do we um, square that? Okay, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What happened to you as a kid, Mm -hmm. to me? Let's all viscerally understand the feelings that kids have when they're separated from family. Because a lot of people say, oh, no, but it doesn't ever have to do with feelings. When you get down to feelings, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to do with logic. We just base everything on logic. Baloney. Kids are traumatized by being separated by families. Mm -hmm. I, I would have freaked out. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, conservatives say, well, then don't go. Right. So I'll say this. And I haven't made this official on our podcast, so I will now. So I'm now a father-to-be, right? My wife and is pregnant. Let's Thank you. Clink to Thank that. You. That's awesome. We are going to have a little girl. And I was just thinking about, you know, we, you know, we had Father's Day recently. And, you know, people were saying Happy Father's Day to me. You know, Happy Father's Day to you, Joel. To you. Even though I'm not, I don't have a, a child yet, but I'm a father to be. And I, I just was thinking, if this was my child and someone came and took them away, it would take every ounce of strength not to just rip that person to shreds. Okay, I can hear the emotion in your voice. That's the emotion. And I can tell you that this is one case where emotion trumps logic, mm-hmm. and you have to honor. The parental bonds. We can't go on. What do we do? What do we do? It's like that people are just turning the other way and burying their heads and we're not doing anything about it just makes me insane. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. This trumps everything to me that he's done. And nobody talks about it. It's shocking. To me, it shows that we have lost our moral compass. We, as a nation. And so what are the rationalizations? The rationalization is one, don't come then. Don't come. And they're using that like as a, after the fact saying to all these people who are thinking about coming, mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen, yep. which is nutty. You do evil to try to keep people. You do evil yep. to people who've done maybe what you consider bad to keep, to keep other people from coming. Yeah. Well, they are trying to protect themselves by saying, well, there's this law the Democrats passed. Blame it on the Democrats. Blame it on President Clinton. Yeah, see, I have- and there's no law. I hate President the children Obama being taken away. Me. The Democrats have to change their law. That's their law. That's the Democrats' law. We can change it tonight. We can change You're it right now. I will leave right here. Now. No, no. You need their votes. What? Yeah. Well, what is? What is this? So apparently there was obviously some... Democrats have been shouting from the tr- rooftop to stop mm-hmm. this. Yeah. There's no federal law. And by the way, the uh, and the obvious. 
obvious. The obvious example is: Did it happen under the Obama administration? Nope. Of course not. Didn't happen under Clinton. Didn't happen. So what under is? Trump. How are they using this? They're just lying again. They're lying. Oh man! And I know someone out there might be listening. Think, well, they're not lying. There's this. But then why wasn't it happening under Obama? Exactly, because they think that they are applying the law. There is no law. This is a Trump policy put into place by the Department of Homeland Security, and it's being enforced by Jeff Sessions in his zero tolerance policy approach. So, if you cross the border unlawfully, even a first offense, then we're going to prosecute you. Those cases are up about double uh, last year, and we're going to go higher this year. If you're smuggling a child, then we're going to prosecute you, and that child will be separated from you, probably. Uh, If you don't want your child to be separated, then don't bring them across the border illegally. It's not our fault. The most and amongst a plethora of evil, the most to me evil thing happened that 100%. has happened. Shocking and that we, that this has not made the headlines every single day is the, the, the extent of how deep we've gone. And it needs to not only be the headline, but people need to be in the streets Marching. Yeah, this, this, okay. This is Nazism where people just said, well, yeah, well, yeah. And it's it slowly me, so. slipped. And so, what is the end game? What, what could happen next? You know? And the end game has to be some kind of legislation. But that's where I get annoyed with this process because President Trump, and I loathe those words, but Trump has basically said, yeah, I'm cool with legislation. Build a wall. Let's so, get rid of the um, lottery on visas. He's using kids as a bargaining chip. Yes, it's his leverage. Man. To me, that is just the epitome of evil. At the same time, he's using a supposed friendship with an evil dictator who he called, like, what, a good guy or something like that? Smart negotiator. Smart negotiator. He trusts him. He's honest. One, not one of worse than Putin. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, way worse. Yeah, he killed his own brother. Oh man, where have we sunk? Yeah, I think that was that. That's telling that he's more comfortable with Putin and Kim Jong Un than he is with the other members of the G seven. Incredible. Yeah, and that we're not marching it. I, 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 I keep on going back to this word like these lobsters who are I know. slowly boiling and not realizing it. Mm-hmm. I, when I said Endgame, I'm wondering, well, what's the what's the next horrid? Exactly. What's you the know, next step? We're gonna just look the other way again. Every morning I wake up and it's some new fresh hell. Yeah. That he's rock. Incredible. But we kind of compared it to the slavery and, and to Nazis. Yeah. Um, I was reading one article recently where they were saying that the the Border Patrol agents or ICE were telling the parents, we're going to go give your child a shower. Right. To separate them. <laughs> now, sometimes the snarky, I guess, one-off mm-hmm. is actually a sort of example of, of what's going on. In, mm-hmm. in This isn't just snark. This is right. an example of what happened in Nazi Germany. 100%. If you're going to go take a shower, then we'll be fine. And then they end up in a gas chamber. And in this case, they ended up being apart, which is super traumatic. Mm-hmm. Incredible. And they've, they've let journalists into these facilities where they're housing people. And they're, you know, some of them are, you know, for, they used to be Walmarts. They're abandoned Walmart buildings. And they're in cages. They're being treated deplorably. Oh, they're being denied man. their humanity. You know what? I have been such a fool 
the United States is definitely half bad. It's definitely half bad. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to come out and say that. I mean, people are going to hate me for that, but I don't care. It's, it's, this is wrong that we're not up in arms with this. We have to do something. Melania, 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 Melania. Mm -hmm. She just recently today, I think came out with a statement saying, Oh, it's half. It's both sides need to come together. Something like that. Yeah. How? I would love to give me some facts where the other side would instantly stop that. Yeah, so this is what she said. Mrs. Trump hates to see children separated from their families and hopes both sides of the aisle can finally come together to achieve successful immigration reform. She believes we need to be a country that follows all laws, but also a country that governs with heart. What? Right, and she basically said she called them both sides to um, come together and end this. Just end it. I mean, Just obviously. One side would end it in a heartbeat, and you can be as specific as you want. End this policy. Incredible. Now I gotta tell you, I started thinking about this, and and it brought to mind the biblical story of Solomon. And of course, in Solomon was given wisdom by God, and two ladies brought a baby to Solomon and said, "This baby's mine." Both of them said, mm -hmm. and so Solomon said, "Okay." Um, since I have no idea whose baby this really is, I'll just cut the baby in half. And, of course, his uh, idea was to find out who the real mom was by their reaction. Yeah. And, of course, the mother, who didn't care about the baby, said, that's a great idea. We'll cut the baby in half. And the other mother said, no, let the other one have it. Mm-hmm. Immediately, you know. Now, the difference between that and, and that wisdom is Solomon would never have done it. And the fact that death is not involved with these kids, right? it's just going to produce trauma in their lives. It's going to produce lasting yes. effects. But you said that there are actual biblical rationalizations for this amongst right. some sectors? Right. So Jeff Sessions, in defending himself, basically quoted scripture from Paul's letter to the Romans, where he said, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Right? I never forget when I gave a speech against capital punishment in college. Mm -hmm. My in, in very conservative Lutheran Missouri Synod College in Irvine, my speech teacher said, Ha! And I was super emotional about it. I was, I'm still a super against the death penalty. And he said, ha, give to Rome what is Rome's and give to God what is God's. In other words, whatever the government decides, even though all governments disagree, it, let them have their way. Uh, in other words, if you, you can use that for every moral decision, can you? You could. Well, then why can't you apply it to Obama? Everything. Why not? Yeah. They hated Obama. Exactly. You should abide with Obamacare. It's such a subjective measure that it's shocking to these people who are so into, into objectivism. Mm -hmm. uh, Father James Martin, who um, is a Jesuit priest who I follow quite a bit. Yeah, you I've read mentioned several him. of his books. I got a yeah. what was was he the the humor guy or no? Yes. Okay. He did between heaven and mirth. Um and he's been big on the LGBT issue. Um he has a book that's gotten him a lot of Is he from the United States or Yeah. Where what city? New York. New York. Right on. New York. He works for American magazine as a um editor at large. And he wrote a whole article on this and he says um about Mr. Sessions one could easily respond with a line in that same passage in which St. Paul says, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. 
And so he goes through and says, you can't just proof text by taking one verse out of the Bible, yeah. which a lot of people do. Here's one verse. You have to put it in the full trajectory, right, as part of the patterns and motifs of the Bible. Yeah. You can't just take one little snippet. Absolutely. And people do that. All the time. And as Father James Barton noted, that quote that Jeff Sessions referenced was Paul encouraging the early Christian church to follow the law because they were being persecuted. Yeah. And so he was telling them to not do anything that would give the authorities additional reason to persecute them. Which is cool because, you know what? He was being practical. He's and exactly. nobody ever thinks that the Bible is practical. Exactly. But it's like, I love it. It's like us, Joel. Maybe maybe not you. Maybe I'm a terrible teacher. But if I have a kid who's being a douche, yeah. right, and I don't want to... I can't get him out of the room for any particular thing. Your shirt's untucked. Go to the office. Versus the theoretical, which is this whole movement, which is keep kids who are disruptive in the class and mm-hmm. and love on them, and right. which is absolutely true, but in a practical sense doesn't work. You right. know what? Because 30 other kids suffer because exactly. of one kid. So that's what Father James Martin was saying. Don't give the authorities any other reason yeah. to persecute you because they're already persecuting you for being Christian. Yeah. So he's saying follow the rules. Yeah. And that has been completely distorted. It's being distorted. So many times. Yeah. Yes. So, and I think, you know, he's right. We have to approach everything from the perspective of love right. and charity for our neighbor. Yep. Timothy Cardinal Dolan speaking out against current immigration policy. I don't think we should obey a law that goes against what God intends, that you would take a baby, a child, from his or her mom. I mean, that's just unjust. That's unbiblical. That's un-American. There could be no Bible passage that would justify that. Yeah, so when... Is this a ploy? Is this going to stop once they get their way? Is this going to go on for years? Is it going to be... We have two more years of we do. this happening unless... Do you think that they're going to finally see the light? I don't think so. Oh, I man. Because I think that there's finally... They're, they're seeing the pressure. I will commit right now, mm-hmm. and maybe people here in this podcast... And I am a non-marcher, but this one makes me want to do something. I've finally been pushed to doing something, you right, know? Right. So we're Santa Maria marches on the corner of Broadway and Main from the park. Dude, when I get back from Hawaii, and this is so lame for me right, right. to no. say such a stupid... Mm-hmm. I'm so privileged. But anyway, that if this is happening still, I'm going to freaking march. Somebody's, we, we should do, do it. it. This There's is one hour. It's so little. There are local groups, and I think teachers, we should make alliances with these groups and start doing things like that because these are our students. And I think yep. for Joel and I, this is why it's so personal for us, maybe more so than others who live in other states or what have you. So many of our students were brought here as children by their parents illegally. Yeah. Right? And we don't judge them because they're, you know, undocumented. No. We love them. We recognize that they're going to grow up and be productive, intelligent uh, members of our society. Yeah. That, that, that is happening to kids who are the exact in the exact same situation as mm-hmm. these kids we love in our classroom is exactly. hard to take. But it shouldn't take a personal, you know, a personal stake. You would think so. So anybody that hears this podcast, if this is happening in in 
late August. Let's just uh-huh. let's 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 just let's get people out there with posters. Who cares how lame that seems? Let's do something because you can't just sit around anymore and let no. this stuff happen. Not late August, early August is what early I'm getting August. back. At. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that they end it by then, but who knows? They should call the arms. So, My goodness, this is nutty. <laughs> the Department of Homeland Security has admitted that roughly 2,000 minors were separated from their adult guardians at the border in just over six weeks. Man. And that began in mid-April and has continued until now, mid-June. Oh, gosh. That's a lot of trauma. I can't imagine my young kids, (laughs) my older kids, Mm -hmm. any kids who have to endure that. But the doctors, psychologists, have come out against this and said that you are creating lasting trauma for these children. Absolutely, of course. Dr. Colleen Kraft is president of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She visited a Texas facility for children under the age of 12. And I've heard some people describe this as a form of child abuse. Do you see it that way? It is a form of child abuse. So when we look at what happens to the stress response in human beings and very young children, when we are stressed, we have increased levels of cortisol, of our fight and flight hormones, and normally that helps to protect us when there's a dangerous situation. In the instance where children are separated from their parents, the one buffer they have against these fight or flight chemicals is gone. And so these children are on red alert all the time. And they're not able to buffer these different hormones. And what this can do is disrupt the synapses and the neurological connections that are part of the developing brain. Any parent knows that. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing about it is that Trump has never been, I don't have any facts, but I totally feel like he's Mm -hmm. never been a real dad. So he never had that connection where he can't put himself into the shoes of a parent who's been separated from family because he just goes off on his own anyway. Mm has his affairs, doesn't care about his kids, who are told douchebags. Exactly. And I'm sorry. It's a total lack of empathy from somebody who's never been in the same position. Right. Even though I think Melania does have a little sense of empathy. I sense that. Yeah, I sense that. But her statement was so toothless. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because she feels like she can't really speak out. It would be... Shocking and and historical if a first lady, yeah, went against Mm -hmm. presidential policy. But you get the idea that she wants to say more, right? Yeah, I do too. But speaking of first ladies, Laura Bush came out and she said this is unacceptable. You know what? To Bush's credit, he Mm -hmm. said a lot of things that are obvious Mm -hmm. about Trump. And I got to give him credit for that. You know, he's never, I don't think, atoned for Iraq, but. No. He's never admitted that, but, you know, he has totally come out against Trump in a lot of his policies, so good for him. Yeah. And that's a little nobility, and there is there are segments of nobility on the right. Mm-hmm. There are those pockets. Mm-hmm. And even um, someone like Lindsey Graham, he's a senator from South, South Carolina. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came out and said, this is not a law. This is not a federal law. There's no statute that says you have to separate children from parents. I mean, it's, and it's so obvious. Yeah. Anyway, he said, you could end this by making a phone call. Yeah. That's, that's what kills me is there's no ownership. Yeah. You know, I was talking about this with my wife this morning, and um, that's, what, that's what she said. Just own it. Yeah. Stop lying. Stop blaming Democrats. Stop yeah. blaming Obama. Stop, you know, blaming everyone else. Just own it. If you feel like children should be separated from parents at the border, own it. 
and he is so willing to make huge, huge changes, presidential fiat changes, mm -hmm. you know? And this would be a minor one. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So he's willing to pardon Martha Stewart. Right. He's going to pardon, you know, Blagojevich. He's and pardoning all these people. Kardashian friends. Anybody who's famous, he'll pardon as long right. as they're famous. Why not pardon these parents with children? You know, they're coming here not because they want to take advantage of our welfare system. And in California, they can't anyway because of our proposition system. Yeah. What was that, Prop 98? Mm -hmm. And they're coming here to provide a better future for their children. Yeah. And in uh. some instances, they're coming here because of, you know, gang violence or threat of violence or, in some cases, spousal abuse. Spousal abuse. It's been really hot. There's a section of the Bible, I think it's in Matthew 25. Shoot, let me look. When he talks about his time in Egypt. No, actually, but... Oh. But it's in that same vein. So in Matthew twenty-five thirty-one. Oh, off by five. What did you say? I said Matthew twenty-five. So <laughs> I was in the right chapter. But um, the section is even titled um, "The Judgment of Nations," and Jesus says to them very clearly, "For I was a stranger, and you gave me no welcome." Yeah, I mean, I, 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 right? this is a dandy. And then the disciples respond, "Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger?" And he says to them. And men, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. Mm. And these will go off to eternal punishment. Yeah, that's the type of crap that I don't like, but the first part I love. But see, here's the thing. It's, that's not just to individuals. It's to the nations. Yeah. You're obligated to care for the sick, yeah. the hungry, the blind, the homeless, and the strangers. Yeah. And I think people get on their high horse and they start pounding their Bibles and they don't actually ever open them up and read them. Yeah, it takes real education and a lot of personal reflection to overcome our natural xenophobia. I think we're all naturally xenophobic. It's that tribal yep. part we of us. Have to, we have to be taught. We have to be told to overcome that. Yep. Well, how would you feel, Joel, if someone was like coming to you and wanting to take your kids? Yeah. How would you feel? Exactly. That's how we have to view it. It's what's happening. Mm -hmm. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream this land was made for you and me. Okay, so in this segment of our show, Joel and I each discuss one thing that we are reading or we're listening to or watching. Unfortunately, Joel um, is unable to be with us um, for this segment of the show. So the original recording of this, there was some kind of technological mishap, and so it is lost, unfortunately. So I'm recording this without Joel present. He is in Hawaii with his family, and uh, they are spreading the ashes of his mother-in-law in Hawaii, and afterward they'll be going to Kansas um, to spread the other half of the ashes um, so our hearts and our prayers um, are with Joel and his family in this time. But Joel wanted to share a couple of articles for this part of the show. Joel wanted to share an article from The Atlantic by Rihan Salam. It's entitled, Where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 
Parts Ways with Bernie Sanders. Like I said, it's in the Atlantic. It's an interesting article. It discusses the insurgent candidacy and surprise victory of this young 28-year-old politico from the Bronx named Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She won her congressional primary against the uh, number four Democrat, uh, the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House, unseating him. Um, and so she'll be headed into the November general election. Um, the article focuses on the fact that she is a democratic socialist. She organized for Bernie Sanders in the 2016 election. But it really takes into account how her socialism, while she was successful in this primary will be problematic going forward if that's the direction the party wants to go. The author of the article suggests that socialists are a force to be reckoned with on the left, and they're primarily galvanized by Trump. So whereas they're on the right, you're seeing um, an extremism. On the left, I think we're also seeing an extremism. Now, it's not to say that I don't support this young lady in her election against the Republican challenger, but I think, and the article suggests that for the Democratic Party going forward, if we're going to win the House, if we're going to take seats in the Senate, we're going to have to look to the moderates, not to the leftists, because they're the ones who will have the most um, opportunity to win in those red states. So someone who's a self-avowed democratic socialist, while that sounds good to the left in a primary election, they don't really stand a chance in general elections in places like Alabama or Mississippi or Texas, right? And that's, that's really the thrust of the article is, you know, how will we reckon with the galvanization of the left, moving into the 2018 elections, midterm elections. And the second article he wanted to share is from Dissent Magazine by J.W. Mason. The article is titled, Cautious Case for Economic Nationalism. And as I said, um, Ocasio-Cortez is a democratic socialist, and this article um, that Joel shared kind of points out the tension for those on the left who tend to be more globalists, but from a socialistic perspective, you can't really trust market, markets. You can't really trust that the market will always be um, the best in terms of bringing about uh, social progress. And so there's a wariness of globalization and a concern for the local economy. So with the concern of globalization, the um, author, J.W. Mason, says that maybe socialists should be more concerned about economic nationalism. So rather than being concerned about us exporting or importing, really being more concerned about our local economy and um, being more self-reliant rather than focusing so much on globalization. So two interesting articles from Joel, um, one in The Atlantic, one in Descent Magazine both having to do with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and democratic socialism. So, very interesting. I, on the other hand, wanted to discuss the movie Solo. I watched Solo finally. I went in with really low expectations. It was not a movie that I thought would be good, basically. And 
I think it's because there was all the drama between um, Kathleen Kennedy and the two directors, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. They were fired. I guess there were creative differences, which is, you know, what studios will say when they get rid of a director or directors. And they ended up replacing them with Ron Howard. Ron Howard, of course, he's known as Opie, and he's done kind of saccharine, I guess, sentimental movies. I really like Apollo 13. But he did a great job of blending the existing footage um, that Phil Lord and Chris Miller had um, shot and blending it with his own, I don't know, blending it with the shots that he had taken. Um, According to some reports, Ron Howard had to reshoot something like 70% of the film. He basically saved the movie, right? So apparently Chris Miller and Phil Lord, they had done a lot of improv. It was very jokey, kind of silly, very loose. And it wasn't the direction that Disney or um, Kathleen Kennedy wanted to go in. So they let those um, two directors go. So with all that drama going on, the assumption for many people, myself included, was that the movie would be terrible. And um, that's not even in taking into account um, Alden Ehrenreich, who was the actor who played Han Solo, wasn't a particularly great actor. And if you watch the movie um, Hail Caesar, his role in that film basically is this actor who is just abysmal and doesn't know how to act. And um, Ray Fiennes plays the director in that movie, and he's just had it up to his eyeballs with um, the character. And and I think while that's a humorous role, I think um, Alden Ehrenreich probably lived that with Solo. I think I think the spoiler at the end, so if you have not watched Solo, close your ears, but Darth Maul, the big reveal. And of course, if you've been following the cartoons like Clone Wars, Rebels, you know that Darth Maul survived his altercation with Obi-Wan Kenobi on Naboo in that final battle. And so that's canon in the cartoons. Well, they've made it canon in the movies. And at the end of Solo, it turns out that Darth Maul, um, who's this crime lord of Crimson Dawn, he's been pulling the strings all along. And there's clues throughout the movie. There's like a Sith holocron, there's a red, um, there's red Mandalorian armor. There's clues throughout the movie that some kind of Sith is involved. And uh, yeah, that, that scene at the end with Darth Maul um, indicates that there will either be a solo sequel or that there will be an Obi-Wan movie. And uh, Darth Maul will take on Obi-Wan, which would be fantastic. I would love to see that. Um, That does actually play out, I believe, in the Rebels um, series. Anyway, Solo, good movie, not fantastic, not great, you know, not the best movie, but really entertaining, solid, fun movie. Certainly not worthy of all the hatred it's been getting from fans. Go watch it. Check it out. I can't wait to get it on DVD. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or iTunes. My tongue is still numb from the opera. (laughs) And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find this show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Need some more of that (laughs) auto. Ha ha ha!